The Investigator's Toolbox is here. Are you a licensed investigator, an investigative or security professional? How would you like to gain work-based skills, be more productive, and grow your business? Well, welcome to the investigatorstoolbox.com. Check out this industry-changing website that's pioneering into the future today. You can network with other investigators in our forums. You can take a webinar, check out a blog, or read an article to brush up on your skills. You can visit our vast resource catalog of research websites and bookmark them in your own private library. Everybody's talking about the Investigator's Toolbox. This really is the future of networking, learning, and resource management. Check this out. For a limited time, we're offering a legacy discount for new members. If you sign up early, we'll save you 25%. Take advantage of exclusive discounts from site partners like Crosstracks, Delvepoint, PI Magazine, Hetherington Group, ScopeNow, Paraben, and so many more. Just visit the website investigators-toolbox.com and check out the demo video in the Who We Are section. Can you afford 41 cents a day? If the answer is yes, then don't delay. Join the community. Investigatorstoolbox.com. These discounts won't last. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com. Welcome to the show. It's another week of twofers. This time, we have OSINT guru, Michelle Stewart, and database king, Neil Goodell. The discussion starts off with the differences each type of research brings and ends with some great tips on the ethics of investigations. Michelle is a top-notch teacher and has spent the last 18 years teaching investigators how to do research. And Neil brings almost 40 years of investigative experience to the table. It's a great show. But before we get started, we want to give a special welcome to our new sponsor, Amos Insurance. Do you work with an insurance agency that takes the time to give you the personal attention you deserve? Well, contact Michelle Knoll and her team to get the best customer service and attention available. You never need insurance until you really need insurance. Keep yourself and your business protected. Contact Michelle at mnoll at amoscorp.com. Links in the description. Thank you for supporting the show, Amos Insurance. Welcome aboard. Now let's welcome our guests and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. Well, this week we got another two for one special. Today we are welcoming Neil Cadell from IDI, and he insisted on having Michelle Stewart along with us. So I am going to welcome both you guys to the program. Neil and Michelle, how are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely excited to uh, get to talk with Michelle. I don't, I don't know the last time I, I've actually seen her live. Right, right. So Michelle, you're in Arizona. You operate JAG Investigations, and you also do some teaching as well, right? So tell me a little bit about your background and uh, what you've been up to. Oh, my gosh. Well, my background has been around for 30 years now, and the first 10 years of my career was pretty much economic fraud, financial fraud investigations. And that was back in the days, if you remember, we had a lot of receiverships. The savings loans were going into receivership. Uh, We had a lot of handshake deals back in that time. So we had big, large portfolios of money that we were chasing down. And really about 15 to 20 years, I started looking at open source intelligence and really watching how the internet started becoming a tool for us to utilize in pulling out data 
in our investigation, something that could have taken us weeks before now, you know, could take us just minutes and right. getting. Right. So for the last 18 years, this is what I've been doing is training open source intelligence. So primarily my field covered law enforcement, military intelligence. Uh, my larger clients have been Home, Homeland Security, FBI. And, uh, and then that's pretty much right now I work uh, the insurance fraud cases, risk management, and anything, really. Right. I mean, open source can be utilized in any investigation. You know that. Yeah, and we're going to dig into that open source versus paid database. That's essentially what we're talking about here today. So the trainings you've, you've taught at University of Virginia and also at Quantico as well, right? Yeah, I was a civilian at Quantico for uh, a particular program that was open source intelligence for international. So it would have been anybody from Latin America to European countries att attended those trainings. Yeah. My only experience with Quantico was a TV show, which I was addicted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Watch I, I don't even know why it. I love that damn show, but I, it was, I, I couldn't turn it off. It's terrible TV. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, anything to do with law enforcement, usually on TV, I just can't watch it because it's so unrealistic. Oh yeah, Law and Order is like that for me too. I'm like, I'm, I'm screaming at the TV, wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Neil, you have worked on on the database side, uh, and prior to that, you actually were an investigator, and you uh, come from medical malpractice investigations background, right? Yeah, I had worked for uh, one of the largest. Uh, uh, private investigation firms that uh, worked uh, medical malpractice defense in Manhattan and Long Island and basically the five boroughs. Right. And uh, a lot of his stuff actually was kind of the precursor to open source data because right. there was the beginning of, of the internet, so to speak. So how did you make that, that transition from actually being an investigator to going to work for one of these database companies? What, what did that conversation look like? It was very interesting. I had uh, worked for a uh, small boutique firm in Manhattan for nine years. And then for about 13 years, I had had my own uh, firm. And I always was very much interested in the databases, uh, basically kind of what uh, Hank Asher started back out in their early 90s. Uh, and uh, unbeknownst to myself, I had been emailing back and forth with a fellow named Hank, the programmer. And, uh, and, there, and next thing I know, I was talking with Hank Asher, who basically was the godfather of these industries. Sure. I did a few focus groups, and then I came down here, actually, and met him on a, well, geez, at least two occasions back in the early 90s. Right, right, right. It's an interesting time, definitely uh, uh, a time when the industry really, really changed um, as far as what was available and what – you know, what you could do. I think before that, it was a lot of telephone books and, uh, you know, working oh, with other manuals to get information, right? Yeah. Well, the, when I was firm I worked with, he had a, uh, there's five boroughs and there was Nassau, Suffolk County. There was Westchester and Putnam County. Then there was a new, there was the counties in New Jersey. So he had about 15 to 16 different counties of uh, reverse directories. His books were huge, they were voluminous. And it was a good six to eight thousand dollars a year he's paying for these books but it was before there was a, like a company called metronet was out there on the first go rounds of the inter, you know internet searches right and but you would reverse an address uh, or even a phone number in these books and it, it was just gold you thought uh, there's a match for a name and then you would go out before your investigation even started if you're going to do surveillance and you would just basically not you know knock on doors talk to the mailman to see if your person was anywhere near there. That was that was the the first uh, the start of how you would do your surveillances and your investigations. Yeah, I mean, and that required a real skill, right? Creating that comfort level where people would actually answer your questions when you were asking them, right? 
not intimidating. Oh, enough, right? oh, absolutely. You know, this was in the late eighties, early nineties, and uh, it was all skill. You know, it was also pretexting. Uh, yeah. It was very, really prevalent. I, I had the yeah. best pitch for it. I always talked for my financial company, and I, I had, a, I, you know, tax-free annuities that paid ten percent. They were tax-free. How does that sound? And who wasn't going to be interested in, in that pitch? So, you know, you got to be in, in sales in, in order to be a good PI, really. I wonder how those annuities are doing today. Yeah, I'm a billionaire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so how about you, Michelle? Um, you know, what, what made you um, have that epiphany or just that idea or passion to really pivot towards training and making that a, a huge part of your business model? Um, well, honestly, I was married to a police officer at the time, and... Uh, that's really what what I wanted to do in my career is I wanted to be a police officer. And uh, but when I had met my ex husband now, um, we both decided obviously that we should only have one in the family. Right. And so I was always really involved in a lot of the investigations where they would ask me to do research or could I find this or could I find that. Right. And so that's when I really started looking at the internet and trying to help, trying to figure out really um, how to find the bad guys by utilizing just information sources because think about it if you and a lot of the people who are listening have been around for 30 days we didn't have data systems like we have today sure and so it was really a lot of that knock and talk it was really a lot with pretexting sure and so that really is what got me interested in when i started seeing how easy it was to try to get some of the information off the internet that would have taken me you know as i said double the time and and trying to get somebody to answer the phone and answer questions and uh, pretexting back in those days was really simply the number one way of getting information. And so with the internet, it really changed the way that investigations were done. And I enjoyed it a lot more. What are some of the other techniques other than pretexting that are no longer available that you were very instrumental in helping you, you do your work? Michelle, you take that one first. I'm sorry. What other stuff is yeah, what no other, longer bes- available? Besides pretexting, what other uh, techniques do you think that that used to work back then that were available back then that are, that are not necessarily uh, available these days? Well, I, I, they're still available to a sense, but I don't think they're as good. Let's. We just talked about directories, and you know when I used to do it, we had the cold directories. We also had Thompson directories for all the financial banks and all the savings and loans that came in those big books. Right. And now most people don't even have landlines. They, you know, they have the cell phones, they have VoIPs. Right. So a lot of those directories that we had the capability of utilizing, really, I don't think is as beneficial now because you can throw an app on your phone and have, you know, four or five different phone numbers to your cell phone that not even associated to the number that it's actually billed to. Sure. So I think that's one of the biggest things that's changed is technology has changed uh, and made things either easier or more difficult. In a lot of sense, more difficult. Right. Right. How about you, Neil? Is there something you can think of that, that was very instrumental back then that, um, uh, that you can no longer do? Yeah, there was a, f- a few of the other directories that uh, some of the, the forefathers are in our investigations uh, had that built out there. The, the Mike Dorez of Merlin had these, you know, unique floppy disks. And, you know, Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Riddle had uh, some some a deck that he would sell right. uh, for like forty nine ninety five to to uh, investigators. And it was, you know, you'd basically, you know, go to these local shows and you were just kind of interested in what was the cutting edge sure. I mean, back then the, the, the cutting edge was you know looking at somebody who had a cell phone and was had this big box thing they're walking around with it was it was it was pretty silly i had a, a cell phone in my car when i started working for this other pi 
and uh, I parked in the upper west side of Manhattan, and they stole the inside part of the phone, <laughs> but not the actual phone out of the car. I don't know why it had any value to them, but you know the phone didn't work anymore. And then I think the first month's bill I had when I was working for him was eight hundred dollars. Well, at least you, uh, you probably had the Benzy box to take your radio out, right? <laughs> Just nothing for the yeah, phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> and you had the, the note in the window, right? <laughs> radio gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, radio gone. Oh, my. <laughs> Please don't break my window. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love New York in 1970s <laughs> and, and 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good times. It's crazy. <laughs> Good times. Um, so, uh, obviously, like, nowadays, things are much different. Um, these last six months, obviously. Um, so Michelle, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, COVID and how that has um, affected your business and uh, you know, how, how have you pivoted? Cause you know, you, you probably were doing a lot of traveling with training, right? Yeah. COVID has really changed. I think everybody's business almost um, to an extent with me, it definitely slowed me down in this. And from my traveling last year, I was on the road over 200 days. And I, I normally speak between 80 to 90, 95 conferences or trainings a year. And uh, March 13th, I call it, you know, D-Day was right. when I came back. That was pretty much, you know, where everything started canceling. And um, so now a lot of the trainings that I did before in person uh, has done pretty much what we're doing now is, is via podcasting or, or webinars. Right. See. And so I, you know, I, I miss the, the interaction on one-on-one. I really do. I miss seeing people's faces and interacting with my crowd. So this to me, it's obviously doable and I'll do it all day long if I need to, but I really miss the interaction. Yeah. And now you'll, you'll be in a room full of people and it'll just be a sea of masks, right? You'll see a bunch of eyes, but oh, no, yeah. no mouth. <laughs> you, yeah. you won't know if they're, uh, if they're soaking up what you're talking about or if it's just, you know, flying right by. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. the next challenge, right? We'll, we'll, we'll be allowed to get together, but everybody's got to wear masks and uh, <laughs> you're going to miss that, uh, that, that face literally face to face is not going to exist. I actually right? have one training right now where they asked me if I would wear a mask for an eight hour training in person and i'm like no it's just not gonna happen and um it's not that i don't mind wearing the mask for eight hours speaking though it's just your face gets hot you get sweaty and i just i don't want to so what they what they deserve (laughs) what they've determined to do is use a huge plexiglass like i feel like i'm going to be the pope behind that big window And I'm like, seriously? That's what they want to do. Well, look at it this way. If they start throwing tomatoes and cabbages, you won't get dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Um, how about on your side, Neil, um, on, on the data side, right? Uh, you, um, you obviously have the, the pulse of the investigative community. You know, I'm sure, um, the everyday investigator has like, whoa, 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 I got to slow down with, uh, you know, the type of business that I'm doing or, or how my budget's being allocated. Um, so I'm sure that's been a challenge. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, it's been very interesting in the past when, you know, you're trying to build a rapport with some of the, the larger uh, concerns that are out there, some of the bigger PI intellectual firms that are out there. You typically would take you, oh, gosh, a bunch of meeting invites, try to get on a call with an email, with a voicemail through the gatekeeper. Now, sometimes I'll pick up the phone and I'll call somebody over at a Pinkerton or a G4S and the next thing you know, they're picking up. And I'm like, oh, oh, hey, how are you? You know, it's like they're almost, they had more time. Um, it's a whole different business model. Right. Um, and I brought a few more people in. We're, 
we're fully staffed of outbound. Uh, we, we, we work behind plexiglass. It's like a, like a hockey arena uh, with everybody's got a, in a penalty box in my office. <laughs> um, but I always, you know, made the joke that I'm going to break out uh, hockey goon fights Fridays. So we're going to, you know, see. Drop uh, the gloves. You know, yeah, I'll take some wear gloves and, and go at it. But so, you gotta keep, you really, yeah. Who's wearing the Ty Domi jersey? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm a New York Ranger fan myself. If anybody gets that call back. Yeah, Ty's um, a good guy. I've actually met him a few times. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Oh, that's, that, that's cool. Yeah. But, um, you, get, you, get, you know, today's society, especially with COVID, you, of course, you got to keep it light. You got to keep it interesting. You got to keep it safe. You got to be relational. And with, with the database comes, um, it's, it's actually been a really good time because we're uh, IDI and IDI core product. We've been spending a lot of time talking with vendors of data. Um, they've been influenced by COVID. Sure. We're trying to do something different. We've, we've uh, almost over 2000 different sources of alternative data. Um, we're going to be uh putting an, a, an app uh, that the PIs and law enforcement are going to be able to have use to right. um, just for those crowds. And we're trying to, uh, to become a little different and, and to pivot during these times and understand where these guys are at, you know, and gals with their businesses. I really believe that the, the you know, the time will, will change how people are doing investigations. And you wonder, you know, uh, Michelle, how, you know, open source intelligence research is, is, is done. Uh, but how much of the investigation now is, is in-house, in the office, and how much is it actually going to be boots on the ground anymore? You know, you, you always wonder. Oh, I know. I agree. But, you know, the thing about open source to human intelligence is you always need both. You right. really do. Open source intelligence takes a certain mindset, and, you know, the individual who's boots on the ground takes a, a certain mindset. And um, and so I, you know, even in my trainings, I always say you got to have both. You honestly do, because there's so many things on online that could be absolutely fabricated. And we've all seen it in our investigations. And you have to be able to be able to prove it otherwise also. So human intelligence and open source intelligence is always going to be hand in hand. Definitely, definitely. So we are going to um, we're going to jump out and take a, a quick break. But I want to expand on that point when we come back and really dig into this, uh, you know, the, the back and forth between uh, open source and, and that paid research and how it's definitely important to utilize both. It's almost like you have to do the due diligence. So um, everybody sit tight. We're going to jump out real quick and we'll be right back. Are you using a case management system? The answer is no. You should really rethink that process. All right. So as you guys know, Crosstracks has been an amazing sponsor of the show. They've just been uh, really supportive. As you guys also know, I didn't used to have a case management system. I was the, the investigator that was fighting them tooth and nail. I finally decided to give it a whirl. And what a great decision, right? During the COVID shutdown, I was able to actually roll my whole business into it and get completely up and running. My clients love it. I mean, just today, I got a, a phone call from a client of mine who just couldn't believe how easy it was to access everything and uh, how invoices were there. He actually asked me to go back and upload all my prior cases and put it into Crosstracks. I've been doing business with that firm for, I don't know, about eight years, so uh, it's a lot of cases. If you don't use a case management system, you should, right? You should check it out. Give Crosstracks a shot. Contact Brad or one of the teammates over there and they'll get you up and running with a trial and see if it's for you. If you have used Crosstracks and it's been a while and uh, you're not happy with the system that you're in, go check them out. They're doing a lot of really cool new things. See if it's right for you. If you're unhappy with the system that you're in right now, contact them. The ability for them to roll your system into their system is very easy. 
again, you guys know they've been sponsoring this program and I can't say uh, enough good things about them, but make your own decision. Give it a shot on your own and see if it's right for you. Did you hear about the latest issue of PI Magazine? Well, check out the cover feature on the Investigator's Toolbox. You don't want to miss this great issue. Available today. Gain greater insight into people, assets, businesses, and their interrelationships with IDI's next-generation investigative platform, IDI Core. Through a massive data repository, advanced data fusion technology, and more intuitive UI, IDI Core uncovers the relevance of disparate data points, providing actionable intelligence to support your investigations. Register for a free trial at ididata.com slash PI Perspectives or call 844-778-1740. Also, look for IDI at the Osmosis Virtual Conference October 11th through October 13th at their virtual exhibit booth. IDI also presents a roundtable special this Thursday on PI Perspectives with industry leaders Neil Cadell, Kelly Riddle, Mike Doris, and Jimmy Messis. On October 8th, hosted by our very own Matt Spare. What do you do when you get calls for bug sweeps? Did you know usabugsweeps.com, the number one TSCM provider in the country, pays you a 20% commission for converted sales leads? Stop turning money away. usabugsweeps.com uses top-rated technology, and they cover all of the United States. So save time and make money today. Contact usabugsweeps.com and mention PIP20. Have you signed up for the Investigator's Toolbox yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Don't miss out. The legacy discount is ending soon, and you'll miss a great opportunity. Are you serious about growing your business and increasing your knowledge base? Well, register today at investigators-toolbox.com. Use code PIP201836 and save an extra 15 bucks. And welcome back, everybody, to PI Perspectives. Uh, we're here today with Neil Cadell and Michelle Stewart. I want to welcome you guys back to the program. How are you? Great. Thank you. Yeah, good. Okay, so, Michelle, before we uh, d- jumped out here, you started talking about um, the in-person research as opposed to the, um, the computer research um, and, and how it's necessary to do the, the both of those. So can you uh, expand on that a little bit and just uh, give me a little more detail? Yeah, I think that when we're looking at, as I said, the OSINT, the open source investigations, and then the human uh, part of it, is open source investigations is really what people are putting out there about themselves, right? So it's going to be their social media landscape. It's going to be information from marketable systems that have sold it. And so let's say some of those sites like True People Search that gives us an abundance of information. And so the reason it's really important to utilize both the data systems and then open source is because the data systems, for one thing, gives us the ability to get that a huge amount of data within seconds. And a lot of that is going to be made up of of public records, whereas the open source of it, like when I always teach in my class, open source is kind of the footprint of what they physically have done. They go to the grocery stores, they go to Walgreens, they go to CVS, they order magazines. And all of those those little things that they're doing leaves a footprint behind. And so that data is what also ends up on the Internet. So we need to have the data systems, again, that have a huge, you know, faction of, of public records. And then we have the open source stuff, which is the individuals themselves who are leaving their personal footprint from what they are doing and saying. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. So uh, I, I heard this recently um, on, I think, one of, one of the other podcasts I was listening to, or on, I, don't, I don't remember where I came across, but it was talking about how um, the the information um, on the on the open source also is, it, it, it's giving you a lead, right? It's telling you that something is there. It's telling you that there's, you know, Jones versus the state of New York or whatever, but it's not showing you what's in Jones versus the state of New York. You actually got to go to the courthouse, pull the file, and there could be other um, relevant information uh, within that file. So it's almost giving you a lead, right? Looking at it that way, right? Yeah. Um, now you have to go substantiate the lead once you uh, once you have it, right? Um, and there's value in that, right? So it's it's helping you. Um, with your um, methodology on, on how you're, you're doing your investigation, pointing you in the right direction to making sure that you're getting it done properly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a big part of that open source is the actionable intelligence. It's all those people and all those associates that rotate around your suspect or the person of interest. And so when it comes into data systems, again, you're looking at very, very uh, specific data that we're going to be getting. And when it comes to open source, if I'm looking at you and I can't find your social media because now you've either deactivated them or maybe you're privatizing them, um, I'm going to look at everybody around you. Sure. So it gives me that ability to start looking at your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, dad, brother, sister, wife, spouse, kids. So there's a huge arena of information now at our fingertips. Yeah, I had a case like that out in Long Island where um, there was a kid who was driving a, a box truck. And uh, he was a young kid, and he, he liked to he liked to to smoke the marijuana, right? Uh, so <laughs> he may have been high that day. Who knows, right? Uh, he was driving the, the the box truck and had no experience driving a box truck, and decided that you know the the side of the box truck, the mirror that was sticking out, yeah, he wanted to hit somebody who was uh, directing traffic with a, a stop go sign in, during construction. Well, she ended up having a head injury and ended up dying, right? Um, so this kid, he locked down his social media. It was done couldn't find anything about him right and we found all his friends and you know they all like to talk about race cars and driving fast and smoking weed and, and getting high and and you know there yeah. was one thing where he was talking to, this kid was talking about going to the dmv the day of the accident so he, he had an appointment <laughs> to go like renew his license at like eight o'clock in the morning and then had uh, an accident at like 10 o'clock um and uh you know it was just just really uh, bizarre stuff so yeah, I mean they're breadcrumbs. You got to uh, you got to follow the, the the breadcrumbs. So Neil, why don't oh, you absolutely why, Neil? Why don't you tell me um, like how does a, a paid database like IDI Core how does that help to make an inve investigation more efficient? Yeah, and just to kind of expound on on the open source and the database, um, you know, it's probably up until the 2010s, I was still doing a couple of cases a year, um, and initially when I was working, uh, you know, in the database world. Um, you, you know, you get you get some information on a subject and sometimes it's not enough. And then even you start getting into their own social media and then you find out that they're locked down, like Michelle referred to. And then typically you'll then start trying to figure out who their friends are. And then next thing you know, you're basically almost backdooring into their own to the social media from the subject you're looking for. And uh, I had a kid who was down in Miami. And his mother was looking for him because he got $4 million when he turned 18. And in three months, he blew the, the $4 million. And so he had five-bedroom penthouse and down here in South Beach and all his buddies driving Lambos and Ferraris they were renting. 
I didn't have to do anything because all the, the behavior was out there on the internet on the, all those buddies pages. I knew what they were doing that night before the kid probably did because it was already it was already posted. I'm sure so they, they were uh, they they were probably making it rain somewhere, right? Oh, they, they did. They were buying uh, Jay Z hundred thousand dollars bottles of Ace of Spades and it, this kid's bar tab. I had copies of it. <laughs> Some nights was over a hundred grand. Wow! Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine blowing that much money? I just, it boggles my mind. Yeah. And in the end, I got to admit, I, I felt sorry for the kid because he was being used by these, these kids. He was oh, kind of slow. I got him on a private plane and back to rehab. And, you know, he still relapsed a few times after that, but I, I'm understanding he's doing okay now, but that's about, you know, five or six years later. Right. But uh, in the end, I felt sorry for the kid. He never really knew I was there. It was a shadow. Uh, for 30 days with, with the, and all the people that I we'd hired to, it was a high profile. And then uh, in the end, they got $500,000 to the hotel and they basically wrote it off just to get rid of them, to get them out of the room. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that, that's impressive. But without the open source and not the database to start with, because the database had information that connected me to, uh, you know, people that were in his life. And, uh, and just other information that was out there, you know, on, there's a lot of stuff on the paid databases, but also it's a trained investigator that knows what to spot, what's interesting in these, in the, the paid databases. Yep. And you might run a few different searches and you, you don't know what you have. And that's where a person, uh, you know, like Michelle will come out and then she'll do her investigation, but then she's just like a rock star in the world of open source and kind of put it all together, almost like the computer mind you got there, Michelle. That's what I've, I've always thought. I don't know. Are you, are you a cyborg? <laughs> Where do you put the batteries? <laughs> <laughs> I can't bake cookies and I can't make the brownies, but I can profile the crap out of you. <laughs> She's trying to assimilate, assimilate all the investigators. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the collective. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's that, that's interesting. Like I, I always find it super interesting actually when, you know, my business, I service law firms, right? Uh, I work on the plaintiff side and all that. And I'll get those phone calls from uh, a paralegal going, you know, we have XYZ account and I'm not going to name names of accounts, but it's one that's very well known. And and they say, we ran our search and we didn't find anything uh, on this. We need you to locate this person. And I'm like, okay, well send me what you have. Give me whatever pedigree information you have. And it's literally five minutes. Like, you know, I'll just run it through my system. Like, oh, okay, here's here's where it is. That's where you, where, where they were. And, yeah. and I'll get them on the phone. Like, hey, your case settled. Uh, the law firm's trying to get a hold of you. We had one of those this week. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're getting money, but you won't answer your phone, right? One of those deals. And it, it's the trained eye. You know, I think you, you bring up a good point, right? Anybody can look at a page of data, but if you don't know what you're looking at. Yep. You know, it's kind of a waste of time, right? So, you know. Well, and another thing is, too, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to no, no, go ahead. You. Go ahead. And another thing is, too, when it comes to databases and to the world of open source is today was a specific case I'm working. And I'm trying to qualify information about a, a very high sitting asset in a company. And she has herself pretty well shut down. But she has two sons. And so they're 17, 16. And so running them on databases isn't going to help me because they're not going to have a profile. Right. And so that's when open source really has a, a bigger chunk of information for us that we can utilize in our investigation. 
So when we're looking to try to qualify information again on an individual who I'm trying to research and I can't find anything, but if I then can, you know, find information about her kids and then backdoor it that way, that's what the big difference is from open source to the database databases is the age. Yeah. That's a great point, uh, Michelle. It's like, yeah, databases started 18 plus, uh, and uh, they it's always been from the beginning. It's got to, you have to be, yep. uh, you know, what's considered a non minor, um, you know, with, and also when you get beyond there, it's, it's it, it, they do quickly build some footprints out there, especially because of the social media. Um, there's also a search that we have in IDI Core which is an owner-operator search. And you're trying to find some of these tough-to-locate subjects, especially the younger ones and, and the millennials, and they don't have much of a footprint out there uh, with credit cards and credit headers, and they're, they're tougher to find. But what you'll find is that they, they, you know, they get their nice little cars, and, and they'll go out and get the car service, even if it's a lease, which is typically what they're doing these days. Yeah. Um, but then they'll go, and, and that information is, is captured in a marketing file, and, and uh, you know that these companies, uh, that the car dealerships, the, the Jiffy Lube type companies, but not Jiffy Lube, but somewhere you get your car, you might get your uh, oil changed, or you know even mom and pop shops that that use these CRMs. So this this file can is is a good file that we've we purchased where you can put someone's name in and just put a, a you know city and state in and you'll get a series of matches and they'll have VIN numbers and even in California which is a state that doesn't sell vehicle registration information right. it's a great source it, yeah. it's a more great alternative data source that we offer no that's that's really awesome you know and and that's the thing like. You know, you're talking about young people and things like that, right? So the, the next thing is is all these live stream apps, right? And the, and the ones especially that are, are monetized, like uh, Big O Live is, is, is one that, that's coming down the, the, the pipe over here where, you know, people go on there and, hey, I'm, I've got a video, give me a tip, right? So buy credits and then they can give, give me credits. And, you know, now now we've got money, money laundering essentially going on online, right? Uh, and, and TikTok, obviously, um, stuff like that. That's where these younger yeah, people yeah. Are, are, are living these days. And that's, you know, investigations have to pivot because you got to be able to look at that stuff. And it's uh, it's just another uh, can of worms to open up and take a look at, essentially, right? Oh, that's for sure. Um, great, great. Okay, so um, so what, what would you say is like the, the best piece of information that uh, that you can get out of a paid database that you can't get through open source intelligence. You know, give me give me that one. You know, I would say is that um, you know I, I get to see the nuts and bolts of the database and how they uh, the scoring goes into an address. And you know, I'd even if if we were even considering releasing how many sources of a match to an address. And it, and when you look at it, it's pretty amazing. I was hovering you know hovering over my addresses and there was like fifteen or sixteen that had tracked me to my home address where I'm at right now, from property records to credit headers to phone uh, file data points to other alternative uh, sites, companies that you never even imagined were there. Um, and that's how the, the, the scoring in a, in a database works. What I think is interesting is sometimes you'll look at a, enough, um, like 13 addresses on an individual, tough to locate subject, and about halfway down you'll see an address that, that it looks like it's it's been there for I don't know six months, but you don't you can't find any other information connected to it. And then lo and behold, you, you reverse that address and you'll find a, a, a cell number on somebody. And then you reverse that back, and you find something that connects back to you know the, to your subject that you're looking for. And then it, it, and at that point, it's almost like an aha moment because there is 
bits and pieces within these databases that you, you're, you're very, that blows your mind that, that, that they're, that they're all connected somehow. There's some reason why that address shows up. Sometimes right. it's just a fat finger error. Other times it's not. And then I had a, um, a case where it was a death penalty case years back. And it was just a simple old phone number that was on a, a, a what they call a DD five, which was just a, yep. a witness statement. And you reverse that and the, the number and no one had ever reversed the number. And it was, you know, from like 15 years ago, well, it came back to uh, an individual, to uh, an individual in Louisiana. And, and in the end, the name that I was looking for is somebody named uh, tiny. And it turns out that, that it was Tina who was tiny was the daughter. And then, and then they had a witness all of a sudden. Yeah. So it was sometimes you just love to find those needles. And I know you guys have all found it before, but without coming up with this number within the database, which was well, started with the, the, the DD five, but then you, you know, you run it through a database, you know, and, and phone numbers are so important even today. Yeah. Phone numbers are super important. That, that reminds me of a case I worked on probably about three or four years ago. I had a, um, somebody who, uh, was having an inappropriate relationship with uh, somebody for hire. <laughs> and uh, so that person for hire um, had a very shady background and they were using, you know, they, they obviously knew what they were doing, right? And and they were basically setting people up and then taking advantage of, of the situation. You know, somebody set the honeypot, pot, you know, you fall into the honeypot because you, you're, not, you're not doing something that you should be doing, you know, and you get caught and now you got to pay me or else, right? So it was one of those situations. And, you know, we started to, to do research for this particular person and you know, I, I, I thought I had this huge aha moment right where I got, the, I got the number and I was able to tr- reverse it. And we, we were able to figure out who it was. And I got a name and then I started like doing research on the name and the name was the freaking public defender <laughs> for the County that this guy lived in. <laughs> so he went out and he, and he, he bought a, a, a go phone or whatever. And he registered in the name of the public defender. I was like, well played, sir. <laughs> well played. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I was smart, smart and funny criminals at the same time. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's real genius, man. This public defender is probably getting crazy phone calls, right? At the end of the day, I got my, I got my person though. Yep, I, I got him. Awesome. Yep. If we see that on Law and Order coming up, we know they were listening to your podcast. Exactly right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Turn me some writing credits, please. <laughs> you can't, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's like super funny, right? Um, so you oh know, my gosh, true. But the guy, the guy, uh, the the person actually had um, they they made some mistakes in some other areas that we were really able to dig in. And what was interesting about it is it was a, a subcontract out to me from another investigator. Cause he's like, Hey, you, you're pretty good at this computer research. He goes, I'll tell you what, he goes, I'll give you half of the money if you can find this guy, you know? And it was a, it was a good retainer, <laughs> you know, it was a really good retainer. And, uh, we were able to get the job done and it wasn't necessarily me. It was me, you know, picking into some of my resources. I did my work, but I also brought in some other people that I trust to take a look at things. And, and in that, that meeting of the minds, I think there were probably about three people that worked on this. Yeah. You know, we were able to, to crack it. And I got, I got half the retainer, which was pretty awesome. And it's always so awesome when you get it done. Oh yeah. When you actually figure out who it is, that's, that's always the biggest rush for me. I yelled the screen. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's just it. <laughs> It is. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a thrill, right? The, the things that, that make us happy, you know, <laughs> it's, it's shameful. <laughs> Other people are like, 
people like to go swimming or go to the beach. <laughs> right, we're, exactly. We're chasing criminals all excited. <laughs> Win the lottery, you know, stuff like that for us. It's like, <laughs> I want to get my man or, or woman. <laughs> it's a totally different, like, lifestyle, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, that, was, that was definitely an interesting one. And it was something I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can pat, my, uh, pat my back on that. Just because I knew when to call. You know, I knew when to bring in, you know, somebody a little more... Um, gritty and seasoned in doing this kind of type of work right and that's the other thing too right so you've got your open source do your research you've got your paid database and then you've also got you know when you got a call in super tech person who's who's at a higher pay grade than you on doing this stuff when you need to right uh but it's, it's important to, ch- to hit that checklist though have that methodology right did you do this did you do that did you look here did you do this and for me paid databases that's that's my um that's my plumb line Right. So that's that's where I get my pedigree information to knock out the white noise where I know I'm looking at something. And if it doesn't line up with what the paid sources are telling me, I'm not totally discounting it, but I'm questioning it. Right. I'm circling it and saying, I got to come back to this later and take a look at this a little bit further. So, you know, absolutely. And and I think that that's uh, what you just said is a really good example. I had a case just yesterday that I was I was uh, I'm tired right now. I was up to four o'clock in the morning working this case, but um, it it really seriously the database is what had to finalize it for me because on this particular individual, um, it's a kind of almost a blackmailing type of case. And we're trying to connect the dots to see how this person might know this person who might know this person. And so my expertise in open source intelligence, there's nothing out there. There's nothing showing the connection. There's no those, you know, I always call it the hand, the handshake, you know, that social media. Yeah. Um, Commonality. That links yeah. those two together. Yeah. And so on this one, it, it was complete opposite than the case I'm working today. Today, everything had to do with me getting information via social media. Uh, last, last night was everything that uh, databases. Uh, connected the dots because by taking the three individuals and looking at them independently and seeing everything that was associated from email addresses to phone numbers to physical addresses in a database type of setting, it was easier then to see where they are connected. Because as I said, in social media, they weren't connected. But on paper, you could start seeing some of the connections come out by they were utilizing some, some addresses to a vacant building. And so that's what really helped me on this one was the database side of it, not sure. the open source side. Sure. Yeah, and I was just going to expound that a little bit. I was talking to a, a detective uh, who was describing a case where, the, you know, you look at the old mob movies where they always got the picture of the big mobster and the different families. And, was, uh, you know, and then they were, he was talking about he would have those pictures, but he would also then just put page one of, the, of like an ID course search next to the picture and then he would just keep looking at the addresses and then within that would be phone numbers and first degree relations and associates and then next thing you know he was he was getting uh, matches to individuals and the second or third look when he'd come back to look at it that he would then say you know what those people are associated and there was a connection there because of x y and z be it, uh, you know, it turns out when you, you dig a little bit deeper, uh, a, a wife whose maiden name was something else connected to his the brother and to a job site, you know, there's a lot of POE in there. And it's uh, in, a, in the in, within IDI core as well as when you get into social media and you start doing your open source. And 
as an investigator now it's the you know is is you know a lot of information closes because of regulations um as you marry the two the the paid database with the knowledgeable open source um you even look smarter now than, than any other investigator if you know how to to do a, a good smart ethical uh search and to, to how you follow your you know your your dots and and, and close your cases. I mean, that's what's paramount now is, is making sure you're working stuff correctly. Otherwise, it's it's fruitless. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's why you need um, to have that methodology, right? To have that checklist. And I think uh, you know you touched on some good points here. And, and Michelle, why don't you, you you talk to me a little bit more because I thought Neil um, started talking uh, uh, about some important things like ethics, right? So when you're you're doing this. Uh, um, uh, your training for um, for doing research online. Uh, I'm sure you cover some sort of uh, <laughs> part of it uh, with ethics. So talk to me a little bit about that and what's what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Well, it's, you know, when it comes to ethics, one of the biggest things to me, I feel that nobody should ever friend. If you have a subject of the investigation, I will not create an undercover account and friend that individual. And, um, you know, on law enforcement side, it's different, but in an investigative standpoint, you know, it, let's say you're doing an insurance fraud investigation. I think that is something simply that you just don't do. If it, if it, their accounts are not open, publicly viewable, um, I think that trying to friend them and getting inside their account that way, I believe is, is, is not ethical. Yeah. And, Great. and so when we're looking at ethics too, a lot of it obviously has to do with following the, le the letter of the law and states are different. You know, certain states right. have different regulations on what you can and cannot do. And so obviously I, I always try to tell everybody, you need to educate yourself on the statutes and the laws of each state that allows us or guides us in what we can and cannot do. Yeah, and, um, and so, yeah, but I really, the, the whole thing to me is the major ethics and I've heard so many PIs and that will create undercover accounts and friend the individual that they're doing research on. And that to me is way into the gray area. So that's what I would say don't do. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I'll take it one step for, further about knowing your, your state laws and everything like that. So there is actually opinion in New York where, where I operate out of, right, from the, the New York State Bar Association that basically says – if you're an investigator and you're hired by an attorney, you are bound to the, to the same ethical constraints that the attorney is bound by. Yeah. And there's case law to support it. Right. So, you know, you not knowing like, ah, you know, like, look at me, I'm, I'm third party. I got nothing to do with this. Sure. I can throw that friend request out there. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> and it, you know, it, if you have a smart defense attorney or smart uh, uh, plaintiff attorney, you know, if you're working on the defense side, that's familiar with this, they can start questioning your work product. And now all of a sudden it's like, uh, your honor, I'd like to make a motion to preclude this whole investigation because, uh, you know, they violated Absolutely. this and you better pay your liability insurance. You better make sure that premium <laughs> is up because when the music stops and you don't have a chair, there's a problem, right? Oh, I yeah. completely agree with you. Yeah, it's, and I was just going to say, and to go an extra extra level and an agreement, I think that the use of the databases and their comprehensive reports, when you turn around and try to put a, your company header on there and sell for two hundred fifty dollars, you know, as your background search, uh, that's that's that is so wrong. And and that one thing, as a twenty three year veteran investigator, that as a in house advocate for the the PI space, 
um, I'm also out there trying to educate. The big thing, I, and you know, Matt and I have conversations. I even I know that Michelle and I and others. I'm all. I want to get you know bigger and more into education of what's out there. Yep. And I don't believe that uh, you know a kid who puts a shingle up and decides he's a PI because he did a year at apprentice. I, you know, I I'm almost don't want that, that individual unless they're properly credentialed and vetted to have access to my, any database I'm associated with. You know, I had a kid call me up a couple of years ago. He was running a, uh, somebody hired him to look up a famous uh, senator in the, the Midwest. And he says, I did it. You know, Neil is great. I got my first case. I said, if you turn that information over to the client, you, you know, I'm, I'm reporting you. So you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I was so upset, but the kid learned a good lesson. You know, he didn't yeah. send it, didn't turn it over. He didn't know who his client was. And they, you know, they advertise out there and it's a, you know, it's a cloak and dagger world. People sure. you know, pretend they're other people. People pretend they're, they're, they're me and then try to get access to, to information. Yeah. It, yeah. That's, that's what's, what's really going on even, even internationally. So, you know, that's what I see the future of the databases with information. It's, it's, you know, they're all the databases are going to tighten restraints a little bit, but but the the best thing that's going to come out of it is, especially the stuff we're working on at IDI, is that we're going to take the good investigators with us with right. uh, some of the enhancements that we're bringing along. So that's what's exciting. That's that's you know what, what I'm excited to bring forward no, you, the rest you, of this year. You got to roll with it because you know reform is on the way. You know when yeah. it is. when when you have a uh, a judge's uh, son murdered. Uh, and, uh, you know, shot to death because, uh, you know, a, a lawyer who didn't like a decision that, uh, that she handed down, uh, and the guy does some research and finds out where her, her home address is and shows up and shoots, shoots, her, you know, the kid, the son and the husband. And the first thing that the judge is saying is that, you know, how did this guy have my home address? Like, that's a warning sign. <laughs> like they, They're really going to start cracking down on this stuff. And it, there needs to be um, we got to make sure that the investigative community, you know, has a carve out that they understand like, Hey, this isn't everybody that does, you know, like we need an exception here because what we're doing, it, we make a difference in people's lives and we're not those type of people that go out and, and do that. And Neil, I think you brought up a really good point that I think a lot of times people are, are, you know, they may attach that report or do whatever. It's not even intentional. It's not even like like they're they're maliciously saying like ah oh, I can I can you know charge two hundred fifty dollars for this and and just reattach it. It's more along the lines of nobody ever told me I couldn't. Well, hey man, it's in your service contract that says you can't do it, but it's still it's not it's not taught by anybody, you know. And I think it's like really important to have these conversations and ethically so people know like hey you're not supposed to do this and here's why, <laughs> you know, it goes a long way. Then, you know, you just violated your terms of services. You're, you're, you're done. Oh, but nobody told me I couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. Yep. I had a, this, a guy just uh, today sent an email that uh, he didn't know he couldn't use the data for a certain, certain reason. Right. And, uh, and it just blew my mind because it wasn't like it was a young person. Right. It was somebody who had come from law enforcement background and, was retained and they just told me that they thought that was fine. And I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I, I thought, you know, better of you and, and please, you know, I got to get more education out to these uh, guys and gals and companies that are out there that are, are using information for the wrong reason. He, he didn't like report it anywhere, but he just right. wondered if he could. And I, it just was, it, to me, just was inappropriate. I just thought it'd be common sense. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's some of these, you know, the investigators out there and the other people that, it, 
you know, the researchers, they, they don't have a, a, intelligence enough to, to, to do it for the right reason, but that's, that's why we're, we do this podcast and that, right. right. You know, and get people like Michelle talking about sure. stuff and trying to get it out there. Everybody loves to listen and learn. And that's the one thing that I want to keep pushing forward in the years to come with, yeah, with it, the it, databases. People don't talk about it, you know, and you, you, you don't know. And I think that's a, a lot of, uh, like, it's a discussion we have in our state industries or state uh, associations, you know, like there's nobody, you know, teaching the people that are just getting into this uh, space on how to do it properly. They're not teaching them what to charge. They're not teaching them how to, to maintain their files and not teaching them, you know, how to actually do the work. You know, it, it's, it's scary. It really is. Anybody can hang their shingle up and say, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm here for, for business. And, you know, I, I, I get the reason why the reports are attached. I, I totally get it because you're charging service, right? You service. This is, I'm going to do this for you. And then when you hand over a report that says, "I this is what I found," or "I didn't find anything," your your clients can be like, "Okay, well, show me the work. You show me yeah. what you found, so I I want to see what I'm paying for, right?" Yeah. So their first inclination is, "Okay, well, I'm just gonna sh- <laughs> I'll just attach this PDF and here, this is what I did." You know, can't do that, right? But nobody nobody tells anybody about that, right? Well, you know, and it seems also, and I know that you guys have seen it throughout your careers. Everybody thinks they could be a PI and um, you, and I can't even tell you how many times I'll be somewhere and somebody will find out what I do. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to be a PI. I'm really, really good at digging things up. You know, what can I do? And unfortunately, you know, plant a garden, (laughs) (laughs) but you get people like that. And you know, there's a lot of times people are pulling information. Like Neil, you were saying that they're pulling reports when they shouldn't be pulling reports because they don't have permissible purpose to pull that report. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. And I think there's just a really, a large, no, I don't want to say it. There's a group of individuals. I don't think that have probably been trained on what they can and really cannot do. Yeah. It's, well, uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to make sure, you know, I got a team and we're out there and we're fighting hard dude, with the, with trainings. And eventually I want to get with the States and with the associations to, so that when I do like an hour long training, get some CEUs out to the investigators so that they can partner with the, you know, as we move forward in the, this virtual world, that, you know, how many, you know, I don't know when the next actual conference is going to go to, I don't know the next time I'm going to see Michelle Stewart up there yeah. talking <laughs> a, a thousand times a minute while I'm up, you know, doing demos in the back. Like I think we did in Kansas one, Kansas city, at least, yeah. which was awesome. A few other places along the way, but uh but those were the best. And those are the places I've learned the most and the place I think I was able to educate the most. When you get out talking to hundreds and you get your influences, your advocates, you know, like a Michelle, like, like, like a Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can help us as we can grow this for the future. Hey, listen, as opposed to shutting it down where yeah. there won't be any databases. Yeah. And listen, I mean, that that's how you and you and I fostered our relationship. It wasn't a phone conversation. It was, you know, somebody had a, a, a room, you know, one of these hospitality suites and you yeah. and I had, had a chance to, you know, kick back and, and get to know one another. And, and, uh, you know, that, that relationship was, was bonded and that's what those events are for. You know, it's basically building relationships like that. Yeah. Really. really yeah. That's important. what I said. I really miss. I miss yeah. that interaction with people because when you're sitting there talking on a zoom and I don't care if I've got 500 people on a zoom there's no interaction, you know, there's no happy hour. There's no, 
uh, networking where you walk around to the vendors. There's no, somebody comes up and asks you questions and then they introduce themselves and they're like, hey, I specialize in background investigations or tenant screening or uh, corporate investigations. And you lose that because all you're doing as an instructor is you're looking at a camera. And, and so I, you know, like with you guys forging your relationship, I really honestly believe that's where a lot of us, because I said, as I said, I've been around for 30 years now. A lot of us, we all met each other normally, honestly, in hospitality rooms right? and, and, and sitting around and just talking. And so I really hope we can get back to that. Yeah. I think we'll get yeah, there it's, just with masks. Yeah. And it, yeah and I, I hope so. But the like <laughs> minds always attract and I think that, you know, with that and with commonality and information for, for using it for the right purpose. And, and as we expand out, even as we do it through here in, in the, uh, the pod, podcast sphere, I still think it's getting out there. So I do thank yeah. you, Matt, for, for, for doing this. Yeah, no, Absolutely. it's, listen, it's great. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit over a year now I've been doing the show and I, I just love it. It's addicting for me because, you know, it, I think people that do what we do, we, we have that inclination to to ask questions and want to know what somebody's about and what they're about. You know, that that's yeah. like my guilty pleasure that I, I just I'm curious about people. I want to know what your story is and what you do. Um, and it, it that was one of the things that, that really pushed me to to decide to to get into this and, and do this. And I've had a blast. I've talked to people all over the country and uh, it, it's been great. It's been inspiring. Uh, you know, and, and networking, right? Uh, and not only that, forget about me. I'm introducing people in this industry to people all around the country. So Absolutely. either you're learning how to do something or you're learning who to call when you need to do that something. Like, that's important, you know? Uh, you know, hey, I didn't know who this Kelly Riddle guy is. Uh, I've got an ethical question. He's been doing this for 40 years. Let me reach out to him. He sounds like a cool guy. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll tell me to do the right thing, you know, or, you know, this, this Miss Brienne Joseph, she's fantastic with marketing. I'd like to learn how to do that. Let me reach out to her, you know, stuff like that is, I think is super, super important. You know, really, uh, really good to know. Well, if there's, if there's one thing people get out of this, I, I wish people would, uh, look up Michelle Stewart and see a lot of the content you get out there, Michelle. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. sat there for, for, for eight hours and I think that your your stuff could go on. It has, you know, go on for for days. And you're you're you're, you're doing a, 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 there's so much information. You must want to record it and then break it into like six weeks worth of classes. That's that's how good it is. Oh, I appreciate that. The thing about open source, and both you guys know, is it's so fluid. It's constantly changing. Yeah. And you know, you might have a source today, and then by tomorrow, it's gone. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a large group of people out there um, that, you know, kind of all give each other information and share via Twitter. And and so it's 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 kind of a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood. Um, and, and it's I think it's probably one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done when it comes to investigations is going into the open source sector of things. Yeah. I mean, there are literally over a thousand of these uh, free sites out there, too. Right. And just knowing. Yeah. Uh, where where to look and and you know, like I said, Michelle, here today, gone gone tomorrow, right? Oh my god, <laughs> uh, you know? that just happened today. Yeah, uh, you, know, you love a site, you're so excited about it. You yeah. go to use it, and boom, it's gone. What happened, right? <laughs> that's Facebook, been... good old yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So listen, that's uh, you know, and that, and now they're teasing, right? They bring back little things, and then they turn them off, and you know, it's. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> 
It's yeah. like a psych, constant game yeah. of psych. Yeah, that that API uh, shutdown that really um, that was a game changer for, for the industry. Uh, I mean, so many really cool products out there. You know, forget about just the investigator being able to to do what they do on that. But but even I saw whole business models. There was a company I, I had an agreement with doing research, um, and, and you know they had this whole thing on on object recognition and behavior recognition. And it was tied in so hard with Facebook. The second they turned that off, I went to the guy. I was like, "Listen, I I can't pay you for your service. You you, you don't do it anymore." <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's like I know we have a a contract, but yeah, I think you got to let me out of that contract because you can't really deliver what you're what you're doing. Uh, and we we worked it out, but. It was a shame because it was such a cool product, man. It was so good. And it's like, man, this thing is like, it's going to take over the world till someone decides to turn the switch off, right? And it is well, what it you is. know, and look, and your story is perfect. Like what happened with even Instagram's API and the ability of geolocational capability for Latin long, right? Yeah. Because there's still certain ways that you can do some information on Instagram, but not like it was in yeah. the past. And, you know, so as as they keep changing things and you know hitting privacy issues and getting sued and fined and everything else i think it's going to become more and more difficult mm-hmm. and you know we're always going to have to find a, a workaround but some of those larger sites and what you might be talking about uh that were providing you know geofencing capability yep. with uh twitter instagram facebook uh, you know several other ones they were really hurt when all of that api started shutting down and all when of they them were stopped hurt. All that access. Yeah, the five yeah. The, the five big ones. I mean, they completely had to change their their models. And I was doing business with one of them, you know. And it's like, okay, you know, we can't do it this way. Now we have to do it that way. And we were able to, to linger on it for for you know for quite some bit. But even now, it's it's kind of you know, it was it was a good run while it lasted. It that. Yeah. That's what I, it was a good run. It was a good, it run. Was such a good run. Made some money, you know. <laughs> I was time time to find that next thing, you know, which is which is why, and, and we're going to end it in, in a minute or two. Which is why my new passion is the investigator's toolbox, right? So it's not now trying to latch myself onto that new product that's out there. It's creating a space for that new product, uh, you know, for people to sure. know about it, right? So you know, having that resource community where we can have those ethical conversations and we can learn about the latest open uh, sources that are out there uh, and yeah. we can tie all that stuff in. That's a huge passion for me. Um, and I, I know my listeners are probably sick of hearing about it already because I've been, I've been blowing it up like crazy, but I really do believe that, you know, uh, this is the future of where, where everything needs to go, right? Creating that one place for, for us to be the very best in our profession. Yeah, well, and I, I really believe that we all share. Uh, yeah. You know, I've always been where if somebody needs something or they don't know where to go or they have a, a question like, what would you do with this? Or I've, I think, honestly, we should all share yeah. and, and help each other out because there's enough work for everybody. Oh, absolutely. But it's also just a really good thing for us to be like what you're trying to do and create is just have a platform where – people who don't maybe have the experience that some other people have um, maybe somebody who's brand new coming into the business or even somebody who's been around for a while and they don't know where to go. It's sure. just, it's just a really good idea as you have to have people share that. Yeah. That's been, uh, that's yeah. Been and, and lastly, I just to add and, and to talking about things that are changing, yep. you know, we just uh, announced that uh, I think it was within the last month that we're moving to geospatial technology to, 
kind of power how we're going to be running the IDI core database uh, in the coming year. And uh, what that means that we can use partial data elements uh, to use a, you know, almost a geotag from a, a pinpoint uh, in a map to expand out from a, you know, a mile to 50 miles and all uh, probable matches to an individual or even to another piece of information. So a lot of stuff that we're, we're, we're implementing and building with IDI core, uh, what you're going to see coming out in the, you know, by the new year, it's going to be, it's really pretty exciting. It's a, it's for all of us data geeks as, as uh, all the three of us, it's, it's fun to, from a, from a database side and, and from a, investigators toolbox which is awesome from a lot of the, the, the open source stuff that that you work with michelle uh you know i i still see everything um not getting worse but getting better just more defined yeah yeah and i gotta say like that's one of the the things about uh a company like idea like why i i want to continue to do business with them and 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 uh utilize them is that that research and development to, to get to the next level. Like I love the fact that you're there and I know that you've got the back of the investigator because you're, you've been in the trenches, you know what we need. And when you're having those conversations of like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about our, our, um, our calendar for the next year. Like what is, what's first quarter going to look like? What's second quarter? Like what, what are we doing here? I know you're there advocating for us. I know you're saying, yes, we need to get this for these guys. Like this is going to be a game changer. I know, uh, I know my people, right. I know what they're looking for. And yeah, you know, there may be some things that we have to do so we can get there. Uh, and that's what I think some, some people fail to understand, you know, this in order to get to a certain area, especially now these days with reform coming, you know, you got to make sure all your ducks are in a row and that, that may make it a little painful for the smaller investigator and they need to understand that. Right. So, I love that you're there, man. And I love the things you're doing. I think it's very, very exciting. Yeah, it's, it's been a journey. My C-level executives uh, are amazing. From the CEO, CFO, president, CIO, I've known these guys for almost 15 years, mm. uh, back to uh, Hank Asher years. So uh, it is quite tremendous. And just to be able to sit and listen to these, to these guys, you know, they're they're obviously, we're, we're a little scared that I could be a little bit of a cowboy, but I think I'd be myself. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> only in happy hours with you michelle <laughs> <laughs> we really need those hospitality rooms back <laughs> yeah, exactly. you need to get some things off your chest <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, oh, lordy lordy so uh michelle why don't you tell folks how they can get a hold of you they can get a hold of me via my email address of michelle with one l m-i-c-h-e-l-e at jag investigations and or they could call me at 480-988-2580. Okay, perfect. Or well, I do have a Twitter handle of MSJAGINV, like investigations. Awesome. MSJAGINV is in Victor. Great. We're going to put all that in the show notes anyway. So, Neil, how, how about you? How do folks get a hold of you? Yeah, and if anybody wants to get in uh, touch with Michelle and they can't find her, I'm sure you guys can find me very easily <laughs> at, uh, at IDI because I'm, I have been talking to seriously uh, hundreds of PIs over the last couple of weeks. So uh, continue to call me and, and make sure I'll make sure I give you Michelle's information as well. <laughs> <laughs> my home address. Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do just that. Your, just, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, seriously, you can email, email me at ncadell, N. C A D D E L L at IDI data.com. And, or you can just, you know, go to IDI, Google it, call up the number, ask for Neil, or ask for the 
the PI guy, they, they'll, they'll all find me very quickly because they always do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. This was really fun. And uh, I feel like we covered a lot of uh, topics here and uh, we even uh, kind of went into the, the whole ethics here, uh, made a little bit of a right turn, but, but definitely a necessity. So um, I appreciate you guys uh, participating, being part of this. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will be back on Monday with another show. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you, Matt. Well, that was fun. It was hard to wrap this show up early. Thanks to Neil and Michelle for coming on and being so candid. We also want to thank Amos, Crosstracks, IDI, and USABuckSweeps.com for sponsoring the show. Have you checked out Investigator's Toolbox yet? Remember, it only takes 41 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. Make an investment in your business and yourself today. The 25% legacy discount won't last long. Use code PIP201836 to save even more. If you got a question or comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find Matt on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next Monday with a new show. Hope you tune in and stay safe out there. <laughs>